Hey babe, welcome to the She Factor Podcast, a space where we believe empowered women empower women. We're here to inspire, encourage, and equip you to live your best life and find your purpose. Join me every week as we dish out real life tips and tricks on all things juicy, inspiring, and educational, but of course, never boring. I'm Tori Ganahl, a millennial woman on my own journey to She, and your host of the She Factor Podcast. Grab your favorite cocktail or Starbucks drink and settle in for real, raw, and hilarious conversations as we dive into what makes us as women unstoppable. I'm so excited to connect with one of our She Cares Wellness Summit speakers today, Natalie Levy. And she is an international women's empowerment coach, online business mentor, and the founder of the event series, Babes Who Brunch Club. And we were just talking before this, there's just so much synergy, not only in our businesses, but like weirdly in our journeys. So we'll dive into that a little bit more, but welcome to the podcast, Natalie. Thank you so much, Tori. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) We're so excited to have you. So I'm really eager to learn more about Babes Who Brunch Club because just in general, what you're doing is so amazing. And obviously it's very similar to what we're trying to do with She Factor, building community with like-minded growth-oriented women. But you actually started it after noticing that your own clients were really craving more friendships with like-minded women. And that's obviously kind of the reason why we started She Factor too, was because I was craving that same thing in my 20s and realized that so many women were. So tell us more about how you turned this idea into a reality and how it's evolved and why that community aspect, like what issues you were seeing with your clients that led you to start this. Definitely. So thank you so much for that intro. Yeah, I, like I mentioned, I work with women um, and I was working with women who are very like creative and entrepreneurial in spirit. And they were also on these paths of personal and professional development. And what I realized is often in your adulthood, when you're in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, it may be hard to find people who are on similar paths. Like you have your friends who are, you know, maybe something they've been with you for years, you know, like your childhood friends or like friends that you've been friends with for like 10 plus years, right? Or your partner's friends. Or in the case of like New York City, a lot of people are transplants. They're not born and bred New Yorkers. So they're coming from other countries, cities, states, and often they would fall into, uh, you know, friendships with coworkers or their roommate or just long story short, they weren't necessarily connecting with people based on interests and mindset, but more so out of necessity and proximity. And upon noticing that and like hearing my clients wish for more friendships with women who are like-minded, I was like, I know so many amazing women that I would just love to bring together. And I was brought up in New York, more or less, like right outside New York, but New York has always felt like home to me. And I also attribute a lot of my confidence and my success up until this point to my friendships and to the women in my life. And so I was like, let me just get all the coolest women I know in a room together. (laughs) I will say the first, the first like iteration of Babes Who Brunch Club was like a massive flop because <laughs> I, it was like, it was a year prior to the, to when I actually launched, which was in 2019, but I didn't have enough of a vision. Like I didn't have enough of a mission to pull the people together. Just getting a bunch of people in a room is not really it. Like you, know, like you have to incentivize people to show up and to come and it has to be a bit more intentional. And so the first, yeah, the first event that I attempted to throw just, it didn't, pull together. 
And then for whatever reason, a year later, I was just in a better place to bring it to life. And we hosted our first event in November of 2018 in New York and it got sold out and like kind of wow. just like hit the ground running. <laughs> so We had such a similar experience with She Factor. Like we launched in Denver in May of 2019 and it was so interesting because our launch party, because our community in Denver was so strong, had like 350, 400 people. It was amazing. And we had Caitlin Bristow. She co-hosted it. She flew out and was there. It was so much fun. But then we left the next day for this like 25 city book tour where we were going to host these happy hours and book signings across the country. And what we realized doing that was that one, you're so right, like women need some sort of incentive to get there. And two, if they don't really know about you or from previous, like we had just launched obviously like right then and there, they're not really going to be willing to just like spend two hours or three hours of their day just coming to this event. So we traveled all across the country. We were just like stuck strong with it. We were like, you know, we're just going to do it anyways. And like, honestly, there was some events where we had one person show up. There are some events where we had 25 people show up. But some of those smaller events were our favorite because you had actually had that one-on-one connection with the women. You could have deep, like intentional, meaningful conversations with them and learn what they were looking for. And I think those those early events were what crafted our vision because we got to actually listen to women and what they needed out of this community. But yeah, huge flop. I mean, like we were spending so much money traveling across the country for like one girl to show up at these events. We're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel you. <laughs> but I love that you just kept going and, and stayed strong and just went through it because like, look at where you are now, right? Like I gotcha. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And I think there's just something so powerful about connecting like-minded women together. You know, I had similar experience just moving to Portland. Like all of my colleagues were my only friends or my boyfriend's friends. And when I left my job, yes, people said that they're going to keep in touch and continue to be friends. But the reality is, is that you really don't have that thing in common anymore. So there's not much to talk about. And it's really hard to find women that are like-minded, growth-oriented, like doing their own thing, wanting to find their purpose in life, live out their passions. Like it's not as easy as it sounds. So props to you for doing that. And it all starts with just, you know, bringing the women that you know together to start that and then word of mouth spreads and it grows, you know? Yeah. And it's like, it's so interesting because it's actually like, there's so many of us out there. Like, you know, almost like every woman I come into contact with, I feel like is the type of woman that you just described. It's just that when you're just out at a bar or something like that, you're not going to, most often you're not going to strike up conversation with like the woman right next to you and start talking about like all your big hopes and dreams. Right. <laughs> you know, like, it's not necessarily the, uh, the status quo for interaction, mm-hmm. right? And also the other thing is that like networking events, Babesy Brunch Club is essentially a networking event, mm-hmm. right? But it's networking reimagined in that I hated networking events. Like they were always so dry so stuffy, very masculine in energy. Half the time you're getting hit on, you know what I mean? Like when you're in New York, like at a bar, like you're like, oh, like I'm in finance. I'm like, wow, I really don't care. And there are a lot of events and in New York City at least. And I know that there are starting to be more and more communities being built up in other cities as well. But even when I started in New York, there weren't really that many events that I was privy to or aware of that I also like loved being at. Mm -hmm. Because the other thing is, and what I think 
what I've heard sets Babes to Brunch Club apart, what I think sets us apart is that we pay a lot of attention to details, a lot of attention to aesthetics, Mm -hmm. and also, you know, to our panelists and who we're choosing. We're like very, very intentional. So, so yeah. Oh my God. I just went on a tangent, but the point (laughs) is that I think that we're, there's so many of us out there, but unless we have a common ground so that we can all come together and start, start sharing our deepest and, and most like profound dreams, then it's really hard to find each other. Well, yeah. And what we realized was like, okay, there's women in business or women in tech or women in finance. Like there's all these like women in networking groups, but there really wasn't anything where you could just like come together and meet and talk about life. Like it had to be related to your career or your relationships. And that was so frustrating. It's just like feels so inauthentic. And I think just listening to you talk about Babes Brunch Club and something that I also think sets She Factor apart, or I hope does, is that authenticity and the willing to be vulnerable and the willing to just willingness to connect naturally with other women and not have that stuffy, like, what are you going to offer me? And what can I offer you sort of interaction with each other? It's like, let's just like get to know each other and have fun together. So I think that's what it boils down to. But let's go back a little bit. So how did your journey as a coach start? Because we were just talking before you were, we have very similar paths, worked in the same industry. So what inspired you to go down that path? and make the leap into being an entrepreneur? So I, I honestly intended to work for myself from like the age of seven. Like people would be like, what are you going to be? I'm like, I'm going to be an author. Like, and then like, I, like, I feel like it's always one or the other. Like I was always the opposite because my mom was an entrepreneur. So I was like, I'm never doing that. I'm never starting my own business. Like I'm doing something else. And then I got the bug. But then there's the other side of that where people are like, have known since they were a child that they wanted to do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I start my, the first time, and I said this in my sales interview, because like we just mentioned, we were both in sales. They were like, when, when did you start selling? And I was like, literally when I was five years old at my mom's pottery studio, because I would make these like dilapidated figurines. And then they would all put together this like big fair of sorts and like sell their pottery. And I would just like set up shop right next to my mom and like walk over to people and be like, look at this. You can put your candy in it or your keys. It's so cute. It's only $2. You know what I mean? Like I would start pawning off my ceramics at like five. So yeah, I mean, my journey into entrepreneurship, my father was an entrepreneur my entire life, still is. And so I saw that kind of ability to be flexible and, and just be your own boss. And I've always been a bit insubordinate. Like I've never really followed rules very well. (laughs) It's never been my strong suit. I've never heard anyone use that word to describe themselves. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, no, like I just, you know, I had an issue with authority from a very young age. And like, um, and not, I mean, I was still like often the the teacher's pet in certain circumstances. Like I still follow the rules to some extent, but like if I knew that they could be bent, then I would bend them, you know, to my advantage. And like, I learned early on that I could usually get away with it anyway. <laughs> um, but I thought later on in, in my adolescence that I was going to go into a clinical psychology program so that I'd become a clinical psychologist and have my own practice. So from the age of like 15 till the age of 25, that was essentially the path that I was on. Like I started taking university courses in high school so that I could go into college declared as a psych major and then like had the intention of going straight into grad school. 
But then like, I realized that I didn't want to go straight into grad school. I also didn't have enough of the research experience under my belt, realistically, mm-hmm. in undergrad to get into a really good PhD program. Getting into a PhD program, a good one, is harder than getting into med school. Like, it's just very, very, very competitive. So I decided to travel after college, went to India for a couple of months, then found an internship that was psych-related. So I was like, great, like, I'll do this up until I get the experience. I can go to my master's that I can go and get my PhD. So really like everything I did was like a little bit of just like fun and like mm-hmm. you know, exploring and doing all kinds of crazy things, like dyeing my hair pink and piercing oh my, my gosh. <laughs> you know, like, so there was like that side of me, but then, but then I was still on the path to getting my PhD. Long story short, fast forward two and a half years, I've worked my way up at this place, this like behavioral center for children that I was working at. Got into NYU, literally two weeks into my master's program, I was just like, I'm not going to get my PhD. Wow. I just knew it. And I had known it for so long. Like if I'm being honest with myself intuitively, I'm like, I cannot imagine myself in six years of academia. You know, like I just can't imagine. And then decided that I wanted to do business and go into something more startup oriented. I was a broke student. I wasn't just going to like jump ship and get straight into entrepreneurship. I was also older. I was like 26 when I graduated. So I, long story short, found myself in sales. It was the only place that would take me based on my personality and not like my credentials. And it, it was also intentional in that I knew that if you can learn how to sell, you can really essentially do anything. That is one thing I loved about sales when I was doing it was that it is really, and we were talking about this, like you're really running your own business in the sense of like you're selling yourself as a resource to people, especially in the recruiting staffing world. Like you're selling yourself as the motivated, driven person who's going to do this job for them. And you're not selling a product, but I think that part of sales is so beneficial to learn no matter what, because you're always going to have to be selling yourself in one way or the other, like not in a creepy way, obviously, but like you're always trying to convince people, you know, especially as an entrepreneur, like what is your worth? What is your value? Why you should, you know, be a part of our community, whatever it is. And I think it, it triggers you to think about what your deeper intention is. And even though sales can seem slimy and like, you know, whatever the connotation is around it, you're really truly working on yourself so much during it and it tests you in so many ways. I don't know if you had that same experience, but that was my experience. Well, totally. So the way that Michael Page works, when I worked as an, an agency recruiter, I did both sides of the desk. So a lot of times I wasn't trying to sell just, you know, let me staff for you. I was trying to sell products, which is like people into right. certain roles. I was also working in the nonprofit sector. So I recruited finance and accounting professionals within nonprofit organizations. Wow. And they did that because I had a nonprofit background, so it made more sense in that way. And at the same time, like you try convincing an organization that's like trying to bootstrap for everything and nickel and dime everything to invest thirty thousand, forty thousand dollars into my services, you know? Like, <laughs> and so I had to learn a lot and a lot about relationship building and a lot about just like grit and perseverance. And again, I think that those are things that they measure before they hire you. Yeah. That's why I got the job. But because that's sort I think you can build upon it, but I do think it can be innate as well. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's what I learned though, is like just consistency, 
and perseverance and resilience because you have to bounce back. Like imagine having like a $60,000 deal, you know, fall apart. Oh, I did so many times. <laughs> so many times. Exactly. And it's just like that, that hurts. That hurts. Like you've worked so hard to put this, to create this and put this into fruition and only for it to fall mm-hmm. apart, you know? So a lot of things like that. However, the reason there's, there's such a negative connotation to sales is because when you do work in those types of environments, people cease to be people at a times. Like they become numbers on a chalkboard, yeah, you know, on our whiteboard, whatever. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this one day, but like, I remember a manager being like, the problem with you, Natalie, is that you think you need to believe what you sell in order to sell it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's called integrity. And when you're working in that kind of environment, it's often hard to really, you're not in charge of the way that you're selling or presenting things all the time. Yeah. Because it is a bottom line. They have investors, so on and so forth. And that was my greatest challenge, you know? And so now when I work with clients, for example, or when I'm selling Babesy Brunch Club, it's such a different experience. Like obviously some of the, some of the things I learned served me very, very well, like the, way, the reason I get such great in-kind donations for our events is because I know how to put together a sales email. Mm-hmm. Now I do it in a way about something that I truly value, care about, and like know for a fact is going to bring you know, value to whomever is involved. What switched for me, you know, I was actually just telling this last week's podcast host this, and um, we were talking about just the energy that you project and how that affects your bottom line and just like not being successful. And if you're not projecting the right energies, like how that can feel and affect you. And I was talking about how if I were to go back to IT staffing, I would be a completely different salesperson now that I've had the experience that I have now. But I think that comes from me being really passionate and loving what I'm doing and being connected to the mission. Whereas like there, I really wasn't. And I felt really distant from that. But at the same time, I've learned so much more about myself in this process, how to best connect with people. And like you said, relationship building, et cetera. And I would be a completely different salesperson. I'd be like, screw it all. Like I'm doing it my own way. And you know, that my way or the highway, but I say that, and I obviously am never going back, but I do think that there is an ease that comes with having it be your own vision and your own mission and it being centered around your values and you know, what you want to accomplish in the world, you know, it makes it a little easier. Yeah, absolutely. I always, you know, when I talk to my clients, because all my clients are women who want to give back and do good in the world, but on their own terms, like that is mm-hmm. the, the identifying factor for all my clients. And I always say like, you know, selling is the best sales is no sales. The best sales is like making people aware of what you can do for them, the transformations you can provide. And also just like giving a shit. Like you just yeah. like, honestly, sales is about really caring. I, I, I do feel that sales is just caring about people and providing transformation and value. And that's, that's all that sales really is. From working in recruiting to yeah. being a women's empowerment coach and an online business mentor, like how did you decide that was what you wanted to do? What did that decision look like for you? So when I got my job offer, I almost immediately put like $5,000 on my credit card and enrolled in a coaching program. Because I had, I felt, and I knew that I had the tools to work with people. Um, and I started working with people on confidence and self-esteem building, uh, not business. That wasn't yeah. what I initially went into. 
that between my coaching program, teaching me just a few things that I had never even considered before and my sales background or just having started to just being trained in sales or starting to be trained in sales with my new job, I closed my first two clients about like a website, social media presence, nothing, you know, and that's how I started on my journey towards coaching. That was like this during my, my time in corporate because when you're, as you know, when you're building a desk and when you're building a book of clients and things like that and staffing, it is like a 60 to 80 hour a week job sometimes. It's not, you know, you clock in at nine, you go home at five and you like eat your dinner and like have a great life. A lot of times it requires dedication. Exactly. So many late nights, sometimes work on the weekends, sometimes working on holidays, you know, it's just because if I you worked like day, every holiday when I worked there, I mean like New Year's, Christmas, literally office till nine o'clock or 10 o'clock on Halloween one year. And I was like, what are we doing? But it does, it just takes a lot of work and you're willing to do whatever it takes to do it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So like I would coach for a while and then I would take a break and then I'd coach for a while and then I would take a break or like I'd have, you know, an inconsistent stream of clients, maybe like once in a while I would, I would start working with somebody and I was also like teaching Zumba, you know, I was teaching Zumba a couple times a week. I was doing, and I was trying to maintain a healthy lifestyle and like a social life and like boyfriends, you know what I mean? Like I was like <laughs> trying to, to juggle all the things. And by May, 2018, I, I had been burnt out on and off for a while, but I had just come off like a total high. Like I just made like a six figure quarter, you know, for the company and I had done really well that year. Like I had brought in a good amount of money and I asked for a raise because I still was, they seduced you with your bonuses. So I was like, just one more bonus. And then I'm going to leave just one more bonus. And I asked for a raise and they told me that they weren't going to give me a raise just because I wanted one. And I was like, I'm number, I'm like 50 on the list of people in our company. There's like a lot of us. How are you saying this to me? Kind of thing, you know? And I was like, all right, right. I, I honestly stopped working. Like that next quarter, I had a couple of big deals fall through. I felt very, very dejected, very burned out and also out of alignment. Like I wasn't happy in that job at that point. Like if I wasn't making money, then there was no reason to be there <laughs> because it wasn't really what light lit me up from the inside, right? So my bosses were unhappy with me. There were multiple conversations and in summary, I decided to put in my two weeks and just go to Bali, literally. For two months, got my yoga teacher certification, one of those months, and came back. And as we were discussing a little bit earlier before we started recording, I then went into contract with the same company. And they said something to the effect of, come and go as you please, you know. And it wasn't even a sales job, really. It was like staffing for the company. It was like far less stressful than what I had been doing prior. And yeah, and like for a while, it was like everything was coming up roses. The uh, people were treating me so well. I was in such good spirits all the time. I was working on like diversity and inclusive inclusion initiatives, which was really important to me and just a variety of other things. And I was able to launch Babes Who Brunch Club. So I was able to have a relatively consistent income, you know, make my own hours, work as little or as much as I needed, launch Babes Who Brunch Club, do all the networking that was required for that. And also focus on marketing and whatever else was important to me at Michael Page until like the rose colored glasses fell off. And I realized that things were not as different as I thought they were or like could be. And I decided that was enough. Well, it was a mutual agreement if we're being honest. <laughs> <laughs> but I think 
to your point, you know, it was kind of mutual on our end too when I left my company because I was working part-time also, which is just so crazy. So weird that that was really funny. It's so (laughs) weird. Um, But when I was working part-time both, like I was telling you, I just started to realize how much more passionate I was about Chi Factor than I was staffing and how much of a flow I could get into. And I really didn't realize how much I didn't like my job until I loved something else. And when that shift happens, it's like, all right, you know what? I'm not doing the work I need to do. You don't really, aren't really seeing the value in it. So let's just part ways and I'll go follow my dreams and it's all good. (laughs) Exactly. And I honestly, like I haven't looked back since September last year it was the best thing that I could have done, honestly. So yeah. so speaking from my own experience starting She Factor, and like we kind of already talked about with the total dud events at the beginning, building community can obviously come with its own set of challenges, but the reward of surrounding yourself with amazing, confident women is just so empowering and amazing. But what are your some of your favorite parts about the community you've built and maybe touch on some of the challenges that you faced along the way as well. So one of my favorite things is seeing the women that came together at Babes to Brunch Club form long lasting and meaningful relationships in business and in friendship. So yeah, like some of the women who've been with me since day one, like they're, they really have a type on, like they go out and they hang out and they have retreats together. And it's just amazing to see these legitimate friendships stem. It wasn't, it's not just like you come and you go and, and nothing comes of it. Like you really, a lot of women have developed very meaningful connections and, you know, not only in friendship, but also in business, like they hire one another. And one of my favorite stories is these two women met at one of my events last year. They developed a friendship first and then One of them was a coach. The other one was a photographer and started taking photos initially and then started working on like social media management for her and then started creating all these graphics. And basically this, this woman who was a coach, like her coach was noticing the major transformation in her social media and her online presence. And so what happened was she was like, let's give everyone an intro into Sam. I'm just going to say her name, Sam. (laughs) So Let's, let's, let's intro Sam to everybody else. And she was able to go full-time in her business because wow. she had this influx of clientele all from this one connection that she made at Babesy Brunch Club. And she's one of the purest, like sweetest souls I've ever met too. So she often reminds me, she often, whenever we see each other, she'll be like, thank you so much for introducing me. And I was just like, and this, it, was, it was destiny, right? And what I also love about Babesy Brunch Club is that it really is a platform that I want to really stand on its own. You know, with my coaching business, it's like a personal brand in so many ways. Like I sell myself, I sell my, my lifestyle or my experiences, my thoughts. It's, it's a lot about me. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Baby Brunch Club is not, you know, like Baby Brunch Club is, I'm the facilitator in a lot of instances, but we're like, what do you do? What do you do? Okay. You need to meet. And then like, I'm able to go away and like, that whatever comes of that is completely has nothing to do with me. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. And that's one of my favorite parts of She Factor too is, you know, obviously we're connecting women one-on-one who have built amazing friendships, same thing that you said, but to see the business connections that have come of it, which is funny because She Factor is really not about business in any means, but even our speakers connecting after being on a panel together or 
us having one speaker in one event and knowing that they're going to totally vibe with this other speaker and having them meet and create more business opportunities. And it's also been so amazing to see women connect with real women. Like, I think that's something that can be a little bit intimidating about some of the other bigger women empowerment brands is it's a lot of celebrity and a lot of untouchable women. Like they don't have direct access to them, but to be able to connect women with people that they can actually have relationships with and conversations and share their experiences with has been one of my favorite parts by all means of watching the brand grow because it's amazing what happens when women come together and empower each other. Exactly. And there are so many people doing incredible things that don't have celebrity status, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that they're not successful or like kicking ass, you know? Right. And so, yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent on it. It's really nice to be able to present women and give women an opportunity who are not celebrity necessarily. Yeah. Give them the platform to share their gifts and share their stories and, and have that accessibility. Mm-hmm. What have been some of the challenges that you've hit along the way? I mean, there's been so many. Like, <laughs> the thing is with events is behind the scenes, people don't realize that something will always go wrong. You know, for every event, like something is not going to work out in your favor. Preach. And it's just about, again, that's where like your resilience and your ability to just like come back because bounce back comes in handy because you have to be solution focused in order to like host an events to build community, it, you can't dwell on the shit that hits the van. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's been something that I've had to navigate for sure. Our first event like did not not like go off without a hitch. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it did once it started, once it started, it was, it could not have been more perfect. Like I remember looking around being like, wait, did I, did I do this? You know, <laughs> I a lot of help. I, I couldn't have done it without the people in my life. Again, that's why I think community is so important. And I, it was still like one of a, those pinch me moments. Mm-hmm. Um, however, leading up to that point was so much anxiety. Like with one of my panelists, we ha- there was a hiccup and, you know, I made a mistake in, in summary and then she was not very happy. So there was a moment where like, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's not going to participate. I was able to salvage that relationship. And now we have like, the best relationship, of course, but like it started off pretty rocky. And I was kind of terrified of her, if I'm being honest. And and then on top of that, my you know, again, you have to be resourceful. And so I didn't have like any sort of income to to host in a in a event space, you know. Expensive. I it's super expensive. And so my friend had this beautiful apartment in Brooklyn. They had a mezzanine where it was almost always empty and she was like just post it here basically and um this is such a crazy story but when we were discussing details one of the days two weeks before the event two and a half three weeks before the event someone who was in the building who was not even on a lease but was in the building overheard us talking and decided took it upon herself to try and completely derail the event she was oh my gosh so disturbed that we were going to have an event in a residential space versus a commercial space that she put herself on the lease just so she could rightfully complain to management. Then she miscalculated and thought the event was before it actually was a week before it was actually planned to go off. And she ended up like taking over the entire space, like in anticipation of us coming to try and set up for this event. 
she ended up showing up the day of the event, but my friends and I decided to like camp out starting at like 10 in the morning, you know, and like really start setting up the space and just like make our presence known. And it was so funny. I really just tried to kill her with kindness. Like, yeah, that's all you can do. But you know, like I really meant to, I really tried to just, you know, let it all go. I almost, I've never felt more anxious in years. Like I can't remember the last time that I felt that bad or, or, you know, up until that point when the last time was that I felt that bad. Like I was, it like, I was distraught, but like trying to figure out solutions again, I was like, okay, well, what, what are some backup locations? Like, what can I do now that I have some revenue from the ticket sales? Maybe I can find a place. Like I was just trying my best to put things into motion. Long story short, she showed up the day of the event later than we did. So <laughs> she ended up like sitting there for a while and I offered her wine. I offered her food. I was like, come join us. You know, I know you live in the building. Like you're more than welcome to be here. And, uh, you know, she was not happy with me, but yeah, what can you, do? you never know what people are going through. You never know what people's reasonings are. Right. Like, so I'm sure in her rationale, it made sense. Right. It didn't make sense to me. I don't think it would make sense to many people, but the reality, the, the point is that it was also, it was my first ever event and it was, it was still a good learning experience, mm-hmm. you know, like learning how to navigate those sort of like fiascos or like borderline emergencies. Yeah. Well, and it's crazy too. Like we've been doing a virtual event every month since March. And before that we were doing in-person events in four different cities at the same time in for probably about four months before, maybe a little bit longer before that. And for some reason, I always just feel so anxious and unprepared before every single event. Like literally my stomach's in knots. I get so nervous. I've hosted like 15 of these events now and I still get like that. And then after every event, I always feel so empowered, so refreshed, like so amazing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like that was great. Why was I even nervous? But then of course the next one comes around. I'm like, ah, what am I doing? Yeah. I don't know what that is, but no, I feel it's yeah. Normal. It's totally normal. I mean, because like things aren't really in motion until they're happening, right? They're like, and so up until that point, there's so much, there's so much so many moving parts, so many moving parts, so much delegating. So I completely can relate. And another challenge that I've had is launching. I don't know. I mean, I commend you for for hosting events in all these different locations, because in launching in in LA a year after in 2019, in November 2019, it was a completely different experience than New York. People oh, yeah. operate completely differently. People will buy tickets like the hour that the event starts. And it's like, you've known about this event for a month already. We struggled with that a lot because all of our, we had chapter or squads, we call them squads in Chicago, Springfield, Illinois, Denver, and DC. And those are four very different types of people. Like, let me tell you, four very vastly different types of people. I mean, Springfield, Illinois is like small town USA. Chicago was like our biggest turnout every time in DC. We could never get people there because of politics. Like everyone works in politics. So they work until like 3 a.m. And it was just always nuts trying to find a day and a time that worked for people. And then Denver was our own market. And we still struggled to get people there because it, it's just, it's a very lax place. Like people don't plan ahead. Same thing. We'd have people buy tickets like 20 minutes before the event and show up. It's just so crazy. It's, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I don't have a good answer. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's just 
with consistency, you start to learn the place. You know, the second event was a little easier because I had already had the first event and already experienced sort of the, the hiccups. Just like a little side note, that's what I love so much about these women-oriented events is that from my experience, we often find one another to be collaborators or, you know, in community with us versus like in competition. Right. You know, like I never, ever see... Six Degree Society or She Factor or any of the other communities out there as competition. On the contrary, it's like, let's all like get everyone to all of our events. Yes. Like, let's just co-host an event together. and It will be a double the turnout and it'd be great. Exactly. I completely agree. I think we need more of that mentality just in general. And I've had the same experience, like even just with the podcast and with our virtual events, like very rarely do we have people say no to being involved with them because they want more collaboration. They want more um, of that community. And it's like, if you can get it from five different places, who cares? Like, that's even better. <laughs> if we rise, we rise together. It's my favorite quote, you know? Yes. Yes. So moving into our last bit, we are so thrilled that you're going to be a part of our She Cares Wellness Summit and hosting a workshop called Everything is Possible, Attracting Abundance in All Areas of Your Life. Amazing. So why was being a part of the summit so important to you? And what has your own journey with self-care and wellness looked like, especially as an entrepreneur? Yeah. So just in general, my reasoning for going into psychology in the first place is because I had a lot of struggles from an early age. For some context, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was five wow. and she battled it for five, like six years, passed away when I was 11. Oh and during that time, like I, it's so interesting because I look back on my childhood as like just overall like a happy childhood despite all of the moving parts and at the same time that did still really impact me and throw me into what I would consider like an 11 year depression like it was a long ass time and it like varied in degrees and whatnot but there was a lot of disordered eating habits a lot of self-loathing a lot of just challenges and that's when I decided at 15, I was like, well, I'm a basket case. So what I'm going to try and do is help other people who are basket cases. You know, like I need to help other people who are emotional wrecking balls because, and that was before Miley Cyrus, but it was because <laughs> like I felt my best when I was able to help other people navigate their own issues. And I became very well known and like sought out, like sought after in order to do that. Like people would message me being like, can I tell you my problems? And I'd be like, yes. <laughs> like, well, it, it's kind of that like common commonality piece. And it's funny because this month, our focus that we always focus on a different sphere every month and our focus this month is favor, which is in our definition, what fills your soul. But that's all about giving back to other people. And I think that there's just something magical that happens when you can take your own experience, your own talent, treasure, time, and put it into somebody else and see them transform and then learn from you or even just relate to you and seeing that that fills their cup and it also fills yours in so many ways. And my mom actually did a TEDx talk called The Art of the Comeback, which is to give back. And I just, I'm such a firm believer in that. So I'm not surprised. I mean, even for me, like my own experiences that I've been through, I think connecting with other women that have had similar experiences, it's so powerful to be able to relate on some level and share your experience and know that you're helping each other, you know? Totally. And I think that that's where I am with that journey now. And like where I've been for a bit, I think when I was younger, it was sort of like a way of deflecting you know, and just like not dealing with my own issues because I was dealing with other people's issues. And then 
I studied psychology, as I mentioned, and I realized in my like twenties, really, which I knew for a while, but I was like, if I'm really going to help people and I really want to like be, uh, you know, a motivator, a catalyst for someone else's healing, I'm going to have to heal myself. Like I can't have all this like self, like pent up self-loathing or, you know, lack of confidence or whatever it is. If I really want to instill that in other people, I mean, some people do it. That's just not what I thought was effective, right? I was like, I'd rather really work on myself. So I went on somewhat of a journey in order to do that. And I think that that's why I am so passionate about... People often are like, well, you're kind of like a wellness brand. And I'm like, am I though? Like, I don't really perceive myself as that. It just happens to be really embedded in just how I operate now, you know? And, And it actually is what attracts a lot of my clients to me too. They're often in some sort of wellness space or want to like do good or give back to other people most frequently. And it's because I went on this really long, like winding journey to, to make sure that my mental health was where it needed to be in order to be of service to other people. And that doesn't mean that I'm like always happy go lucky or that like I'm always completely healthy, right? Like I also still have dips in my affect. I still have like depressive episodes at times. It often is a message like my body being like, you're out of alignment, you know? So I've learned how to navigate these now. I have the tools and that's what I hope to share with other people. Yeah, 100%. And I think the more work you do on yourself, the less you see... In my experience, I think I've seen that the less you see those things like the depressive episodes and the anxiety and those feelings as you being victim to them and then taking control of your life and you switch your mindset to think of them more as like a trigger or a, you know, a message. Yeah, a message, a a sign that you need to change your direction or change the way that you're reacting or living. I think there's a lot of power in that and it lets you take control of your own destiny and your own journey in a sense of like, you're not letting other things take control of you. Right. Yeah. I used to think that like my sadness defined me. I used to think that if I were to get the help that I needed in my adolescence, that I would be in some way lying to myself in the world because that's actually not the truth. The truth is that I'm like inherently unhappy and like unworthy, right? Like that was what was going in my head at the time. And now it's just, it's so funny because if I, when I tell people that it's often very hard for them to imagine me in that, in that way. And I think that I am the person I am today because I had to, or I didn't have to, but I chose to navigate through that. And as you said, recognize everything as like a message, a teacher, a sign. When I feel like doing nothing and watching Netflix, I do nothing and I watch Netflix. And like, I don't make it about my worthiness or like my ability to perform you know, like I, sometimes you need to take that time for yourself. Sometimes you need to just manage your own expectations and your own mental health. And so, yeah, and it doesn't make anything less possible for you. And so everything is possible is one of my taglines for like the podcast that I host, which is, you know, I'm the I'm possible podcast, because I believe that behind the scenes, we think we're so screwed up. <laughs> and then like, realistically, we're all the same, you know, like, going through the same shit we've all gone through the same shit on some like very like some degree and so yeah that's what the it's not what the workshop is about necessarily but it's taking some of the tools that I learned to help bring in more abundance more success and more joy into my life and hopefully create a foundation for people to do the same so every single workshop we are 
asking you as a speaker to offer some sort of tool or methodology or whatever it might be to add to people's self-care toolkit. So what is the tool that you want women to take away with them from your workshop and what can they expect to learn from everything is possible? So a variety of things. One of the things that we do is we're going to do a gratitude practice. And it's something that I often ask my clients to do as well, because it's something, so, it seems so, so simple and so like common sense. And like, it's amazing how, how many people don't necessarily have gratitude practice or how many times people wake up and don't, throughout the day, don't think of one thing that like really like lifts them up or, or fills them up or that they're grateful for in that present moment, in that present day. However, doing something so simple, seemingly simple, can really change the course of your day, maybe your hour. And then those hours to those days, to those years, like that adds up. And yeah, it also gives you an immense sense of responsibility for yourself and also like more peace, I think. When, you, when you're aware of all the things that are going well for you and aware of all the things that are that do light you up or lift you up, even if it's like one person in your life who you know you can call and they're always there for you. So anyway, gratitude is something that we're going to focus on early on in the, in the workshop. Something else we're going to do is some EFT tapping. I'm not EFT certified, but I love tapping. <laughs> so for anyone who's listening, if you want to look it up, it's called emotional freedom technique. And you essentially tap on different points in your body reciting a script of whatever it is that you want to work through. And I find that to be incredibly effective. So it's I hope amazing. to that with everybody. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And so there's gonna be like some journaling prompts and whatnot and some planning, some goal setting. And it's so interesting because one of the women from, I've hosted something similar a couple of times, like more mastermind-esque for like entrepreneur, entrepreneurial women. But one of the women who attended one of the last ones said basically that she owes her career, like her dream career to this particular event. And I was like, thank you. Like, I'm, like, amazing. I'm, like, I'm pretty sure like you're just an amazing human. And at the same time, like for whatever reason, it really set things into motion for her. And she was really able to manifest this dream career at a much younger age than she ever anticipated. You know, someone else like after months or maybe even longer sitting on her blog, like launched her blog the week after our event. So it really does just give you the tools to, to set in whatever it is that you want to set into motion, into motion. Totally. I'm so excited. It sounds amazing. I'm definitely going to be sitting on the other side of that one. In all of the workshops I've recorded so far, it's so funny. There's so many similarities, but all the techniques are so different. And everyone kind of has been along this journey together, I feel like over the last couple months. And there's just something so unique to offer. And I think also with self-care, there's a lot of buzzwords that come with that. So I love that you say, you know, manifestation and abundance are big buzzwords because they totally are. Like everything I feel like in the self-care personal development space is like a buzzword right now because we're all so like into it with being in quarantine and whatnot. But I'm really excited for women to break that down and simplify it and not associate it in a negative way and really let it empower them and transform their journey. It's going to be amazing. Anything else that you want to leave everyone with before we close out? If anyone wants to find me, they can find me on Instagram. So my handle is Natalie underscore knows as in K-N-O-W-S. There's a story behind that from many years ago. But, and then the other handle, if you want to find Babes Who Brunch Club, is Babes Who Brunch underscore club. You can find me on my website as well, um, which is on my Instagram account. And if you, I don't know, you can email <laughs> 
text me, send me a voice note, whatever sounds good to you. Like if you feel compelled to reach out, please do. Amazing. Well, I can't wait for your workshop. I'm so excited to be connected. I feel like we could literally talk for hours about our businesses and all the things in our journey, but we'll cut people off so that they don't have to listen to us talk for hours. But I'm excited to to see what comes of this relationship and hopefully collaborate in the future on so many things. So I'm just so thankful for you being on today. I'm so appreciative of it. Yeah, thank you again. And thank you for such a fun conversation. Looking for more than a weekly dose of She Factor? Find us on social media at The She Factor or head to our website, thesheefactor.com to keep up to date with all the trends on our blog and daily She email. Still want more? Subscribe on our app for access to live events near you, special offers from our brand partners, and lots of exciting tools to help you launch your life. Thanks for listening and see you next week.